Um, I, I want to thank Andy and uh, the pastoral staff for giving me a chance to be up here and do something simple, um, share God's word. I think it's really easy to look at pastors up here and think, you know, this is their job to be getting into the word and trying to live this out. Everything I talk about today, I'm preaching to myself. I know the pastors do the same. We just want to be here to encourage you to live God's word out for your life. And so speaking of uh, Judah, second service, uh, my wife and I have family in Omaha. They're going to be visiting from Omaha, obviously, to come and celebrate Judah's birthday. It's not till July 1st, but we're going to do it today because I'm preaching, and so they figure they can get two of those things out of the way seeing, seeing this. And so I'm, if you want to be praying, I really hope that, although some of our family uh, members are believers, some of them just come, like many people probably in this crowd, because this is the right thing to do in our culture. You show up to church on Sunday. Um, and so be praying about that, people who actually take prayer seriously, which I hope is all of us. Um, so Judah's birthday. Let's say I did something radical right now. Most of you don't know Judah, but take my word for it. He's hilarious. He's full of joy and love. You saw a picture. He's pretty cute. What if I invited everybody in this service and second service to join my family at our house, 1505 La Plata Drive. Let's all just sit in the living room, watch him play with his toys, and just enjoy the presence of Judah. Right? How many of you are like, oh, sure, I'll show up to some... Well, that's because you love kids and you know us. That's fine. Um, but most of you are going to be like, I got things to do. I don't know Judah that well. That doesn't make sense. But let's say, Andy being as awesome as he is, how many bounce houses are we bringing for his birthday today? We're going to have two bounce houses out there. The adults, you can't use that. We hired John Christ, the Christian comedian, to come in. And he's going to be here to entertain the adults. I think Craig and some others are going to make pulled pork. Have you been smoking that, like, for 72 hours to make it perfect? Right? We're going to have ice cream, snow cones, all of that to celebrate Judah's birthday here after second service. How many more people would be interested in that versus the first option? Being honest, how many people think that sounds more attractive? Okay? Now, that's silly because it's Judah. Is that our church, though? Right? Why are we here? Is it because Jesus is enough and I just want to be in his presence and know his word and know who he is? Or is it, I really like the worship music. I love what the church can do for me because they meet my needs. And I'm not saying those things are bad, right? The worship music, I'm going to share this with you because Daniel was talking to me last week. He doesn't listen to the music that we hear up here the first time. He reads the lyrics without the music because he wants to look at the lyrics, make sure that they are honoring and uplifting to God. Then he'll listen to the music and see if it's you know, musically good. I didn't know that. Most of you probably didn't either. And so we have people in this church who, yes, want to do all these events and things, and we want to serve you. But once we gather people in the community because they feel like we're reaching out, then what? Are they like a lot of us who show up to church on Sunday? See you next week. And then we go throughout our lives. Is that what church is? Or are we here because we are, like most Americans, consumers? And so I hope today as we read Acts 2.42, we can talk about the difference between consumer Christians and being what the church of Christ has called us to be. Okay, so on an individual level, I want you to stop and ask yourself, and I'm doing the same, what does church even mean to you? Have you ever thought about the purpose of church? And I think on a deeper level, what's your role? Right? If you're somebody who just for 15 years has been showing up on Sundays and you're like, I've never thought about that. I just show up to church because it's the right thing to do, and I hear an encouraging message, and I go about my week. Is that all God has called you to? Or can we let Scripture speak to us today? So we're going to look at what foundational principles does God set up for the church, 
and how can we apply those? I'm big on application as a high school teacher. If I'm teaching kids stuff about English and argument and writing, but we don't apply it and it has no purpose for their lives, why are we here? So I hope you're encouraged with that today. And I want to clarify two things I really want to accomplish. I want to celebrate our church. I think as I look out into the crowd, I know people specifically who are going to live out the mission we're going to see in Scripture. And so I want us to be encouraged knowing that North Point is really striving to live out God's mission for the church. But I also want us to be challenged and convicted of things we need to change in our life. Not condemned. Christ and his Holy Spirit do not condemn you and make you feel worthless and unimportant. The goal is to challenge you. Can we all individually rise to the challenge that Christ has for us? So if you'll join me in praying, we'll get into Bible study here. Jesus, I pray you would open our hearts and minds to your truth. Allow us to clearly see what your word in scripture says about the church. We pray that all distractions would be removed from this time of worship where we seek to know you and the will you have for our lives. May we learn something new about who you are and how we can be more like you. May this message and your word glorify and honor you as the most valuable treasure we could find. Amen. So we're going to have the verses up here. I believe it's an NIV. I know that for some people, as you look at your Bibles and it's a different version, that can be confusing. So the verses are going to be up here with Acts 2, 42 to 47. And so if you want to flip there in your Bibles, note takers. We'll get rolling. And we're going to read through all of these verses and just kind of process through them. They devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the believers, all the believers, were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, is that what our church looks, looks like? Um, there's a, a Christian pastor, um, Francis Chan, who writes a lot of books. and one of them, Letters to the Church, he talks about how he goes and visits other countries where all they have is the Bible, and they get it. And they read Acts here and look at, okay, Jesus lived his life. He suffered, died, was resurrected, and he appeared for 40 days, some context here for these verses, 40 days he spent with the disciples, now apostles, to send them out. And it was good that Jesus left after 40 days, because what did that give us as believers? Holy Spirit, God's presence within us. And so they're waiting in a house, 120 of them, just waiting. What's it going to feel like? God's presence is coming. It's going to be, he's going to be able to dwell within us. And the Holy Spirit comes, allows them to speak different languages and different tongues, and they're able to minister to the people there in Jerusalem. And so that's a little bit of the context, but Francis Chan talks about if people read this, just the Bible, and they don't have an idea of American church, whatever that means, he's met people in other countries, and he explains what church is like to them, and they laugh at him. They're like, you show up on a Sunday for an hour and you read five verses and then you see each other the next week? How is that what we see here? They're living together. They're selling possessions and helping each other. And I'm not going to preach up here and say, Jonah, I'm really in need right now. I dislocated my shoulder about a month ago and I have medical bills. Please sell your shirt off your back for me. Maybe God is calling him to do that. But the idea is, as they were unified, they were in community, they did life together. 
And the first part of that, if we go back to 242, this is the bulk of where we're going to stay today. And really, we could preach this four different weeks. We're going to look at the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So the first part, apostles' teaching. And I struggle with saying, simply put, because if you don't know the gospel message in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus Christ, who was God's son, one and only son, led a perfect life because we can't. He went to the cross and was unjustly killed for our sins, and he made that payment. God turned his back on his son, and all the weight of our sin, past, present, future, for all of eternity, was put on him. And he paid that. But he didn't just stay in the grave when he died. He rose again, conquering not just sin, but death, that we might have eternal life. And we hear that on every Sunday, and we're like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, that's great. But it's like, are you in awe of that? I'm not most of the time. The apostles teaching the idea that Jesus came for somebody like me. And maybe some of you think you're really good. I'm not. I'm not good. I make my wife frustrated all the time. I judge people. I get angry like that. Judah has really made me recognize that more often because he really grinds my gear sometimes because he's all energy and just never stops. And I'm like, I deserve that because that's what I'm like. Um, But the apostles teaching, the gospel message is, is that that Jesus came for you, for me, for sinners, even though we don't deserve it. And so the disciples, the apostles, 120 of them are sitting in this room, and that's what they devoted themselves to. Every single day, we are going to gather together. We're going to talk about God's word, right? Now, is that an unfair expectation of us in the church? You have to every day go and meet with believers. What do we have in our hands that we use all the time? Cell phones. I'm like, why can't you get a group meet together and send a verse to somebody or FaceTime a friend who's out in Colorado and spend 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, instead of watching Netflix. Now remember, I'm not preaching this to you and condemning you. I'm saying this mainly for myself, and if you get something out of it, awesome. But if we as Christians truly believe that we have to connect with Jesus through his word, the Bible, why are we not doing that? I think there's a couple reasons and some encouragements I want to give you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 This is for people who struggle with God's word, and maybe this is an encouragement to you. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that the servant of God. Did it say the pastor? No. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that verse is for you. We have to trust God's word today in Acts 2, 42 to 47, and when we read it, that it's true, and that it's useful for teaching us, for correcting us when we're straying. Sometimes, if you have a good enough relationship with a believer in this church, you rebuke them. Hey, you're not going down the right path. I love you, and I can't let you do that. And training for righteousness. Did you know that each one of you have a specific work in your life right now that God probably has in front of you, and you just need to walk through it? What family member, friend, coworker is he calling you to serve? If we're bought into the apostles' teaching, and we trust scripture, that's part of it. Hebrews 4.12, more about the apostles teaching God's word. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is so powerful that even if I am going and serving the church because I want people to like me, scripture knows that. God knows that, and he can reveal that to me and change my heart to serve him and him alone. What's hard about this is if I said, 
you believe this, right? That God's word is true, it's living and active in your life. A thing I think we maybe get wrong at times in the church is, okay, you need to make sure and read your Bible every day on your own. But some of you are like, where do I start? I guess I'll open it up to the Gospels, but then I read that, and what does John 1 even mean when it starts talking about he is like the word, and the word was in the world, and like what does the word mean? And some of you are looking at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Did it say in Acts 2.42 that he or she individually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they gathered together. I think so often we try to convict you and empower you. Read the Bible on your own. God will speak to you, and he will, and you should get into the Bible on your own. But some of you in here right now need to hear this loud and clear. We're meant to do it together. We need to be together reading Scripture. Because let's say I read this. What's hard about being in church right now, if we call this church, how many of you are having questions as we read this and you don't understand things? Hey, Johnny, I have a question real quick. No, there's 100 people in here. Right? Most of you aren't going to just be bold and ask a question when and that's just not even the format of this. Right? So why can't we gather together and do the apostles' teaching and read word? And that's part two. Fellowship, that's where that comes in. If you have questions about the Bible and you're just reading it on your own and you have nobody to bring it to in a group, that's why we're called to be in fellowship. So the early Christians met regularly and publicly to read scripture, to discuss Jesus and live life together. And I think that's where I'm feeling pain is hearing family members and friends who are like, screw church. Why do I need church? Right? I can show up to a book club once a week and then go and read on my own, and then see them a week later. Is that what our church has become? Or do people come into the church, come into North Point, and they feel like, somebody connected with me. They actually care about me. And my first example of this is uh, Life Church in Omaha. That's where my mother-in-law and father-in-law go. And she's been going to church her whole life. And she's one of those people who's going to take the back seat, and she's pretty reserved and not going to be like, Hi, I'm Linda. I'd love to grab coffee sometime. And maybe that's some of you in here. You're not the extrovert. Within a week of being in this church, she had ladies coming up to her and saying, hey, can you get coffee with me? Not, hey, come to a Bible study, or can I share the word with you? Can I present the gospel? Can we grab coffee? I think it'd be nice to get to know you. And they had coffee a couple times and follow-up texts, and how's your week going? How's Mike's golf tournament? And she's just blown away, and she loves being in Life Church because people are reaching out and connecting and trying to be in fellowship, and she's never experienced that, because her idea of church is show up once a week, pastor gives a message, and see you later. And so my encouragement to you is as you're sitting here and thinking about some of you who are really strong believers and you want to see God's church grow and see people loving to be here, who can you simply, after the end of service today, turn to And actually, instead of walking out those doors in five seconds, I got a lunch, I got this and got that going on. Can you stick around for five minutes? Go and grab a donut and try to meet somebody new? You have no idea what sending a text, sharing a simple conversation, and asking somebody about their life can do for them and how that might encourage them in Christ. So fellowship. That's one example. Anybody in here? I saw Aaron Jones, Jacob Schaefer. I didn't know about the... Uh, men's morning out about two weekends ago because I've been out of town and I'm not big on social media. But there was like a morning out breakfast and go and shoot bows and guns and things like that, which I don't do. But my friend Levi was like, hey, let's go and shoot clay. Okay, I've never done that. Awesome. I was terrible at it. But I got to hang out with middle school kids, high school kids, 
friends that invited me and then men who were in their 60s. And I'm like, this is great. Look at this community of men, some who have been here for six, eight years, and I've been here for seven. And I'm like, what's your name? Right? And how often does that happen? I think I talked to Maxine this morning. I was like, what's your name again? I've seen her, and they've been here. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Right? So, I mean, th- this is on me. This is on all of us. Can we connect with people in our church when we offer things like uh, a women's Bible study that's reading through Randy Alcorn's book? How many of you can dedicate an hour to meeting with a group and trying to connect with people? Because that fellowship is what I think keeps us together as a church. And then you find out that Johnny Green, a middle schooler, shoots trap, and he's really good, and he puts me to shame, and I'm proud of him. But man, I probably shouldn't go again because it's embarrassing. Um, I was decent with the pistol. I felt good about that, but the shotgun was just not good. And a shotgun sprays. I'm like, how am I not hitting that thing? Um, So those are some examples from my family, from my life. I want to read an example. I asked um, people within our church to send me a testimony, just a brief testimony, how have some of these areas impacted you? And this is from uh, a member of our church who works with the youth. He's a part of a Bible study. He's trying to live this out, read the word, pray, get together. And he says, for me, North Point has given me a community of friends that I would consider more as family, that I I sincerely enjoy doing life with. The groups have encouraged me, his Bible study and the youth team, have encouraged me to get into the word outside of my normal time and to dig deeper to understand what we are studying, not only for myself, but to hopefully encourage others. Being in fellowship has taught me to better, better understand God's word and will and to understand his love and how to show that to others through my actions and relationships that I form with them. God doesn't expect or want to perfect me, but rather someone that wants to know him. He will meet me where I'm at in my struggles and successes if I'm willing to put in the effort to know him. Fellowship has encouraged this man in our church to be more firm in studying the word because if you're held accountable to other people and you show up to a study, and I'm not saying if you aren't prepared, don't show up. That's not the point. But he feels encouraged and sharpened. I need to know the word, not just for myself, but to encourage my wife, to encourage other couples, to encourage the young person in our study There's accountability in fellowship. And so once again, this is not condemnation. If you're right now, like, I've been a Sunday-only Christian my whole life. You're not being condemned. We just want to encourage you. How can you become more like the church, more in fellowship, more committed and devoted to the apostles' teaching? How do you allocate your time? I'm terrible with that. I come home from work, I'm exhausted, and I want to binge Netflix and watch The Flash. And I have a son on the floor that I could be investing in. Or I could be, once he's asleep at 7 p.m., instead of playing solitaire on the iPad, because my wife's got me hooked on that, um, I could be studying God's Word or sending out texts to my friends who just lost one of their twins. But I'm so passive as a human. And so I'm just trying to encourage and challenge you as I'm thinking about this myself. The third part to Acts 2.42 So we've gone apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread. In the New Testament, the breaking of bread refers to communion, which for those of you who don't know, we do it once a month, and there's four communion tables, and we gather around that as believers, and we remember the gospel message, Jesus' perfect life, that he paid for our sins, and we are just in awe of that, and that he resurrected. His body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and we are in awe and love with him. But I think what's interesting when you look at Scripture is 
he broke the bread, right, as the example with his disciples in the upper room before he was betrayed and died and resurrected. And one of the last things he talked to his disciples about was washing their feet and calling them to do the same. So before he broke the bread and said, here's all the things that I'm going to go through, the command he gave them is to wash each other's feet. And so now, Jonah, I want you to come up and wash my feet. No, we need to serve one another. When's the last time that you have actively sought out somebody in this church and served them? That's why I'm here. Six years ago, I came to North Point. Uh, we had Ethan Wheatcamp, who used to go here, and now I think he's working with uh, like master's students and graduate students in Texas, Florida. Texas. I'm looking at He moved on. Oh, now he's in City Light in Omaha. Awesome. Doing great things and moving the church forward. But he brought me and some college students from Wesleyan here, and I really had not been to church since I was with my family in high school. I'd done crew and FCA, but not been back to church. And... Um, the city light thing got me off my nose a little bit. Thank you, though. Um, breaking of bread, serving one another. Son of a biscuit. Church. Oh, yeah, my example. Yes, that was that you? Holly Kuchka, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I'm here because Dwayne and Cindy Johnson sat by us for three weeks, and every week they just tried to get to know us. Hey, what do you do? How's college? How's life? And then on the third Sunday, do you want to go to Ruby's t- Ruby Tuesdays? College students, free lunch? Yes. We'd love to go, and I got a bacon cheeseburger barbecue on, like, pretzel bun. It was delicious. Um, They sacrificed financially to invest in two kids who were poor and married and in college and took them out to to eat. And I'm like, I like this church. People love me. People care for me, and they don't even know me. That's radical. That's amazing. When we had Judah... Last July 1st, we literally had the, the lease people for our house come to the hospital, and we signed things with Judah sleeping, and we moved into our house July 3rd. I left the hospital. Anna got out July 4th or 5th and just moved into our new house. It was chaotic, even though it was summertime, and we have that time off as teachers, and somebody started a food train within this church, and half of them we knew, and they came into our house, and we shared the meal together, and that was special, and I appreciate that. But there's three or four groups of people who came over, never seen them. Or I'm like, I've seen you before. I've never had a conversation with you in our church, and yet you're bringing us a meal. We didn't pay for a meal for the first month, month and a half of having Judah because of people in this church who are bought in to this concept, breaking of bread. Where did they get that encouragement? Well, the idea of fellowship and being together, and they got that from the apostles teaching these things all work together. So how can you invest and break bread with other people out of what Jesus has done for you, his sacrifice? The last part and the most neglected thing in my life is prayer. It shows a dependence on God. I've had a lot of people who are like, what? God knows every thought, right? It says that in scripture. Why do you need to pray? It's a willful connection to the creator of this universe. I neglect it a lot, but what makes it better for me? Being in fellowship. It forces me to pray for people in our Bible study, forces me to pray for people in our youth group, and it's helped me develop a skill and a discipline of praying, which otherwise I don't think I would have if it was just left up to me. We have a young adult in our church who is going to be stopping their job in LPS, moving to Haiti. So they're giving up their job, their security, even though 
maybe her family and a few friends are like, that's insane. Why would you go and do that? It's dangerous there. It's unreliable. You have a job. You're tenured. It's safe. And yet God has put it on her heart. She's gone down there, experienced it. And when she turns to prayer and has other people pray for her, and this is not prosperity gospel. If you pray, you're going to get something. But she was telling me every time she prays, it seems like the next day more support comes in or somebody sends her a text or an email just encouraging her to stay strong in her faith. Prayer. It's simple. And yet we neglect it. The parks, those of you who don't know, and they've announced it before, are expecting a child. They went through a lot of struggles with trying to get pregnant. And I remember, and this is not, I'm super holy, this is me and my wife are just bought into prayer, even if it doesn't sound like a normal prayer. We're in the car and for 10 minutes straight, um, me and my wife were just like, come on, Lord, they're married. Let them do married people things. Get pregnant, Lord. Let them get pregnant. Come on, Holy Spirit, make it happen. Let them right now be at home together. Anyways, you get the point. <laughs> that was our prayer, and it's silly, and that seems crazy that I'm saying it from up here, but we were one of the first people that they told because they know we've been praying for them, and the first thing we asked is, when did you know? How far along are you? It was within three days of that prayer. So I'm attributing that to God and to prayer, that they're pregnant. God is faithful to his people. And maybe it doesn't look like, you know, you pray for a child and you get one. Maybe he opens up the route for adoption. So he doesn't answer prayer always the way we want. But if we're in community and we're praying for one another, we're connecting together, we're building relationship, and we're connected with the creator of the universe. And now some of you are like, there's golf clubs up here? Anybody not notice these? This is what I'm going to end with. So we've talked about fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, apostles' teaching. Where can I take this club specifically to if I want to just use this? Driving range. I can go to the driving range, and there's people out there who just, boom, and they whack it. I can hit it 400 yards, and they win competitions. Put them on the golf course. How are they going to do? If all they do is go to the driving range, Probably not good because there's other parts to the game. This is church. This is where you're at right now. And some of you are just working on this and working on your drive and working on your drive. And that's great. Keep that up. One of our four principles is attend. We're going to work on our short game a little bit. We encourage you to, on most days, get into the word with the Lord on your own. Have some quiet time. Have some prayer. I can go putt-putt and get really, really good. Tiger Woods is still going to probably smoke me. And then this one is the most costly, and it's not as great. Oh, look at the drive that that person has. Look at the putting skills. Nobody's like, man, him in a six iron. So good. I would say this is Bible study. This is the, the groups that meet throughout the week. There's different parts to our game as Christians. And are you just so focused on I'm coming to church. I'm doing the right thing that your game is not what it could be. I want us all to be the Tiger Woods of our faith, right? Let's develop our game. Let's attend church. Let's hear this message that Andy, the pastors, whoever preaches, let's be encouraged to then get into our words so that we can hear from God and then let's bring it to a small group, to a family Bible study that you have and let's discuss it and really connect as a community. So let's reread here. I want to end with scripture. Hopefully that illustration is helpful and encourages some of us to think about it in an abstract way. But we're going to look at these verses one more time. 
Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to God's word, to fellowship, to gathering together, to breaking of bread, making sacrifices, feeding one another, and to prayer, knowing that God is who he says he is and will meet us where we're at. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common because we have the Holy Spirit that unites us. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Am I doing these things that we talked about for me? Are we doing this because this is God's model for the church and when the outside world sees it, they can't help but want a piece of it? This is what Christianity is? This is the church? That person sold their car or donated their car. We have Liam in this church, a high school student. Somebody donated a car to him. A car. You know, it wasn't a Maserati, but they donated a car. Do we have the radical belief in God's word that we can live this out. Johnny, it's easy for you to say you've been doing this for seven years or something like that. And Andy's been doing it for 75 or I can't remember. All that. <laughs> I love the book of Acts. We have this model and when we get to Acts 4.13, last piece of scripture here, this is for all of you who don't feel equipped. Well, like, I guess I could open up my home but I don't feel comfortable leading. Is there somebody who could lead within this church when you open up your home and you gather people together? Or, I just don't know if I should show up to that Saturday morning group because I don't know scripture well enough. This is my ultimate verse for why nobody's without excuse and you all are valuable and have importance here. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, two people who generally you hear their names and you're like, oh yeah, they're solid. And realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. If you're spending time with Jesus, really this message is simple to you because you're like, yeah, that's what Jesus wants. Let's go. And it doesn't matter who I am. If I'm a high school English teacher, if I'm an accountant, if I'm a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter what you do. If you have been with Jesus, people are going to take note and be like, wow, they speak with such conviction, such power, and they love so well. So I hope we end today with you knowing every single one of you has a purpose. And it's hard to find that out, I think, on your own. Which is why we want you to get connected here at North Point. Know that you have a family who wants to walk with you and help you take steps of faith. So, if we do that, people will come to faith. People will be showing up to this church, to other churches, and they're going to want to be involved and get to know who this Jesus is. And that's the goal. We want people to be saved. We want to spend eternity with other believers so that they can be with Jesus Christ, our Savior. I hope something today spoke to you and that we can be encouraged to live out God's mission. Let's pray. Father, Acts 2 is completely dependent on your Holy Spirit your presence coming down and empowering them. We can't do this on our own strength. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your power to lead within our lives. And at times it's hard to discern your will, which is why I think you have given us community. You are community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would follow your example and unite within this church 
and follow your message. In your name we pray.